You think you know me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome, everyone. I bet you did not expect to hear my voice in a feature show again. No, no, no. I am only ever here on a Saturday, but for, I guess, one night of a quarter only, Jack Graham is in the hosting chair for your entertainment only. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Suplex Retweet, Facebook, Eat, Sleep, Sleep, Suplex Retweet, with the community page, get involved in that, discuss wrestling, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. Have a go at us, why not? We, we're all for it, just get involved. Go our Instagram, Suplex Retweet, find us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you want to find us, we're all over the place. Go our YouTube channel, which our very own Daniel Campbell facilitates marvellously. We've got the Book It final, that'll be coming up at some point. The semi-finals have just been done, I don't want to spoil the results of that, but Daniel, it's going to be a, quite a hotly contested battle, isn't it? Oh, you could be saying that, you could be saying that, the Book It finals. We haven't set our date for recording yet, but we're looking probably to release it WrestleMania week. Oh my god. That is certainly the big time right there. <laughs> but uh, we've got the conspiracy theory on there as well. You'll catch Saturday Draft Live stuff sporadically on there when we do our kickoff shows and whatnot. And it's all a great time. And obviously, you know the show that we're doing. You can see it in the title. It's all about the career profile of Edge, my favourite wrestler of all time. And before we crack on to that one, it's just the panel. Obviously, I've just said our wonderful Daniel Campbell is here. That's the most and polite I, intro I've ever had in a while. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know what? It's because cause a rarity of myself being on. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Not in the mood to to go in and just bash everyone. You know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a gentle soul at heart, Daniel. That's that that's that's what to say. All I will say is take note to the rest of the panel. Just because he's going easy on us, we can go in on him. <laughs> That's fine. I don't mind it. Go ahead. But as always, whenever I'm on a show, there's always another man that's there with me. My friend, my co-host of Saturday Draft Live, Scott McLeod. Scott, how are we doing? Yeah, we'll let you out of your box. Everybody knows that after Saturday Draft Live is recorded, you're lured back into a wee box. We have uh, uh, bacon roll and a smell of a cup of tea. And you stay there for the week. Who let you out? Feature show. You know, I, I was so angry after Dave said I should join his, his West End Country Club thing that I just had to go in a rage and get a, get a feature show out my way. But <laughs> and you didn't invite him, noticeably. Of course, it's all the better for it. We're all the better for it. Uh, our next panelist, I just found out today that he agrees with me that Mike Kanellis' theme song is the greatest theme song in wrestling history, and that is Al McLaughlin. How are we doing? Alright mate, now, let me just one thing to say, I didn't see it was the greatest. Edge is the greatest. <laughs> but, but, it is up there, it is top 10, no doubt, it's a belter. It is the greatest love that I have ever known. And, <laughs> I Do love it. Don't tell anyone about this. <laughs> it's supposed to be a secret. You're just out of this. There you go, that's a wee, a wee, a wee special for the feature show, people that, that listen. There you go, it's a, a, a scoop, some might say, but, uh, Another scoop is that we've got a brand new panelist with us. Ooh. Very exciting news. It is the Wrestle Beach, Tweech Beach, Advice Beach, and now Podcast Beach herself, Emily Hayden. Welcome to Eat Sleep Supex Retweet. Hey Beaches, how's it going? I'm very, very well, thank you. Thanks for thanks for joining us on the on the podcast here. I hope you're hope you're looking forward to it. I'm very excited about this. Like Edge is one of my all-time favourite wrestlers, so as soon as I was asked if I would love to do this podcast. I was like, yes, yes, I want to talk about all things Edge. <laughs> and talk about all things Edge, we will. So uh, I think before we get in, we'll, we'll talk about like standout points in his career and whatnot. I'll just uh, I'll go around everyone, just ask what it is about Edge. Obviously, we're, we're on this show for a reason. We're all big Edge heads at heart. You know, it's a, he's, he's one of our true our true heroes in the, in the wrestling world. So Scott, I'll come to you first. What, what is it about Edge you like? Well, that was actually a harder question for me to answer than you might think because for a long time, when I was a young lad, I fucking hated Edge. Right, stop, <laughs> Daniel. How did Boot Folk out the call? Uh, let's see. No, I'm giving up. <laughs> you will not silence me. You have no authority here, Jack Green. <laughs> oh, but, but I think I hated him for the reasons you were saying. You were meant to hate him. I didn't realise that until I was older, much wiser since then. But I think uh, what part of the reason I enjoy him is because really a lot of the big moments. For most of the big ones I remember watching growing up, he's, he was there in some way or another from the, the cash-in uh, with John Cena. Or like one of the first big moments of me getting back into wrestling after a reboot, right? it was his return 
in 2010. So he's always been there, and one of the few wrestling moments I've nearly cried at when he departed us. So I think because he's a, been a constant in my in watching wrestling, I think. What, what, what about yourself, Alan? Did you did you always find the the rated R superstar himself as one of the kind of top folk you, you you loved during wrestling, or was it someone you kind of grew to love as you got uh, older? I loved Edge and the Brood. It was so badass, the Brood. The Brood was amazing. The music, the engines, the, the smoke, it was so cool. The glasses, that's the thing that always caught me. It was like a really cool sunglasses I always used to have. I loved <laughs> that. And he was always a solid mid-carder. And then I had a hiatus in wrestling for nearly 10 years. And I came back and I'm like, oh, that wee guy is the world champion. And then you start to go back and look, you see how he became that guy. You're like, Wow, I missed a lot. I really missed a lot of cool stuff. And, you know, he's well-deserved in the whole thing. Well-deserved. The, 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 the time when I started watching this, like, this is when I, when I first became a, a big edgehead, and probably one of the times when I started wrestling, we'll go, go into it in more detail later on, is it uh, New Year's Revolution, we'll talk about that, that whole bit in a bit. But what, what about yourself, Emily? What, what got you to like Edge? There's a lot of reasons why I, I, I love Edge. It's like Scott, I grew up with Edge being a constant. So, um, and then going back to what Alan was saying about the bread, I love the bread. The bread was my, my ringtone for a while. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and I, I grew up, like, I loved like, shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So the fact that you had Edge and Christian and Gangrel coming out as the bread and the vampires and stuff, that was one of the reasons why I initially started liking them. And then I found that the, the older I was getting, the more into Edge I was getting as, as not just a wrestler, but a person too. So, because uh, I remember he did like this uh, video years ago and it was like a, a tour. It was like a, a tour of his, of his house. And uh, he had like the Crow memorabilia and, and he was talking about all these bands and stuff that he liked. And I was like, right, so Edge likes the same movie as me. He likes all the same bands as me. And um, my, my dad got me into like heavy metal bands when I, when I was growing up. I'm literally sitting wearing a Metallica t-shirt right now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so when I saw Edge initially uh, with the long hair and then coming out with like the, the big jackets and stuff, I thought, oh, he looks like a rock star. So that was another reason why uh, I, I just fell in love with the Edge of the character. But uh, I found the more uh, things that I, I found out about him as a personality, the more I liked him. It wasn't just the wrestler, it was the person, because then uh, his Hall of Fame ceremony, for example, he, he got Foo Fighters to play, and I was like, oh, this guy likes Foo Fighters as well. Like, this guy's awesome. So. But I'm not, I'm not going to waffle on anymore because I can keep listening to the amount of reasons for why I love Edge. It's interesting you were speaking about the hair because when I was when I was younger and watched the wrestling, I was always jealous of his hair. I've always wanted to be able to have like a full grown back. I just I, I can't do it. If I just had full hair, it just would not look not look right. But what, what about yourself, Daniel? What what about Edge got you? Like by God, he's a fantastic person. I mean, at one point during lockdown last year, my hair was starting to catch up to him. So you know, I, I get that, but. Um, like what got what got Ed, me into Edge was at first the time that I started watching wrestling. That was when he was coming out to Rob Zombie. Loved him coming out to Never Gonna Stop Me. That was a brilliant tune. Yes. Uh, there was also just you could tell that when he was being a heel, you could tell how much he enjoyed it because I remember the best heel work I've ever seen him do was uh, the stuff he did around Taboo Tuesday when he was properly starting to turn heel. <laughs> Even. You know that SummerSlam getting booed in his hometown. That's I know it wasn't intended, but he was he was secretly loving it. But he was always one of those guys that you loved watching him work. You knew you, he was making you hate him, but that's what made you love it more because he was that damn good at it. And then it, it carried on even when he turned face, was doing all the stuff with Vicky Guerrero, both with her and against her. Just so many great moments from that time period in the noughties where Edge is involved. There was never a dull period where he was there. There was always something memorable that he did, and you know, even nowadays you can't get enough of it. What, a, what, what, what a way to get us into this, Daniel! What, what, what heartfelt, passionate way of speaking about Edge. I love it. Hey, Absolutely, fantastic. we are loving Edge here. <laughs> this is the Edge show, damn it! And you were speaking about uh, memorable moments, and we're going to create one right now by doing a five-second pause. Nah, I'm kidding. We're not going to do a five-second oh, pause. I was so ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be for us. We'll do a five-second pause. But of course, we'll release we're this as a clip on the YouTube. But... <laughs> <laughs> when, we're, when we're talking about the five-second pause, we're of course talking about Edge and Christian Scott. 
and that's this is I was a bit before when I started watching it, but uh, when I when I got older and I I, I even I, I liked Edge, started loving Edge before that. But when I watched this, I started to love it more and what they were doing, how they controlled like crowds and atmosphere and whatnot. What what was your first initial impression of this tag team? Again, uh, I think it was like I was meant to. I was written against them because growing up I was a fan of the Hardys, and it was always Edge and Christian and the Hardys. Never a bad match when you put those two teams uh, together. But you know, oh, as you get older, you start to appreciate the kind of comedy of Edge and Christian. You know, and how like annoyed Jr. gets by them calling them knuckleheads when they're trying to annoy the crowd and everything. Else. And I know a, a trait I don't like in wrestling is always your local sports team is crap because of this reason they get heel heat, but. Edge and Christian not tend to be the theme of their five-second pose by mocking something that had happened in that turn or a team that had beaten that team's team. But they always made it entertaining. And then obviously, great comedy heels need a good foil, and they had the perfect foil and then Commissioner Foley constantly trying to catch them out on their schemes. Like the two kids in class always talking up and then you've got the cool teacher, Mr. Foley, always calling them out on it. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll get into the the, 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 the Foley saga shortly after this but I'll come to you Emily next what Scott was saying about like Edge Ed and Christian they're quite 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 notable in their, their rivalries with the Hardy Boys and the Dudley Boys that, that produced some of the most iconic tag team moments in wrestling ever didn't it? Yeah 100% uh, what, I remember the first time I ever seen Edge and Christian in the concerto and I was like what is that? That's <laughs> insane is that guy dead? <laughs> I'm watching it as a five-year-old and, and thinking, like, I think that guy's actually dead. Like, what is going on? And uh, <laughs> uh, going back to what Scott was saying about, like, the five-second pose, like, um, with Edge and Christian, uh, th- there's two poses I'll never forget. There's the, the one where they both dressed like Elvis and they had the fat suits on. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the other one, which was uh, with the redresses hillbillies with Kurt Angle. Oh yes, 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 yes. And um, and then one of my all-time favourite moments as well uh, with the Edge and Christian dynamic was when they, they brought in the kazoos and they started to, <laughs> they started doing Edge's theme and he's like, "You think you know me? You think you know me?" <laughs> I when this when that I was at, when I didn't watch it at the time and I was I think I was maybe still starting at secondary school and I, was, I kept watching with it. Uh, Edge and Christian. I saw this kazoo thing, and I, I went and bought a kazoo purely just cause of that. Although I didn't bring it to school in case of like mocking, but you know I had a kazoo about the house just just to use it myself when I'm watching and doing my own thing. But uh, Alan, I think one of the one of the, the, the main moments in these rivalries is also that the the, the spear off the ladder and uh, WrestleMania. How 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 big a moment during that was for Edge and like getting his career going. I remember watching that live with my cousins. And my older cousin, I say what he's like six weeks older than me, screamed at three in the morning, He's fucking dead! He's fucking dead! And my aunt running through that, so I was caught watching that because we were all what? He's killed Jeff Hardy! What? He's killed Jeff! So yeah, it was so good. And plus, just when Emily mentioned the concerto, I have taken a concerto. It's not pleasant. <laughs> I had my friends like me actually, you know, don't try his own kids, but yeah, we did. And uh, it's one of these things if you do not nail it perfectly, it's a sewing. It really is. It uh, really, it really hurts. <laughs> when they when they've got the whole don't try this at home thing, we we created uh, BGTW backguard trampoline wrestling. So that's that that was our <laughs> thing. So that <laughs> we kept going on with that. But, uh, we, uh, we had the FFS Figgy Fight School. Figgy Fight oh, School. I thought we were going to be saying something else there, but we'll leave the rest and we'll carry on to the, our next bit, Daniel. When, uh, Scott Scott mentioned that uh, Commissioner Foley, what mm. what a thorn in the back of uh, Edge during this time, wasn't he? Oh God! I, all I think when I think of Commissioner Foley and Edge and Christian is the series of segments where they were trying to avoid defending the tag titles, and they're coming up with all sorts of stuff. And it's like you know he's vomiting into the toilet and he looks over and it's just him like pouring in something into the pan and he's just like oh you're totally busted like I try to what was the other one? Oh yes um genital warts rule man <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott do a genital warts rule I understand it can be very painful but I don't know <laughs> what sort of stuff do you two discuss on Saturday's draft live that you're talking about that and you've got to listen this Saturday and find out, Daniel. That's 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 what it's all about. <laughs> I'm very worried now. 
I should something say, up with you two. I should say, like, they were always very good. I remember one of my favourite ones is uh, Agent Christian of the Titans, and they're annoyed they don't have their own locker room. And they say Mick Foley about it and goes, well, I was a three-time WWE champion. I never got my own locker room. And Christian goes, yeah, but Mick, you never change your clothes. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> It was it was always it was always quite the quite the thing and obviously this 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 carried on for ages and ages and ages. There was always that thing. But then it kinda of got to that point that we've we've seen many if you've watched many an edge video on YouTube, you'll have seen this move happen. It's obviously Emily the the spearing of Foley through the flaming table at Wrestle WrestleMania. The the I think the, the is it the weight of expectations? I don't know, but to be able to have that spot where like kind of Foley's like ending point in WWE is like such a such a huge mark on your career to have. How 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 iconic Jing this is in his career, pretty much. Oh, very iconic! Uh, it's actually because of that match that that's one of my all-time favorite manias. And um, I have to say, it was I, I, I remember hearing about it in the the Edge documentary. You think you know me? And he talks about that that particular rivalry, and he says that this was at a point where uh, they, they they felt like the fans didn't really care about Edge at this point. This is when there was just like no interest whatsoever. So that was when the idea. I think it was actually Mick that, that pitched it, and he says, "How about me and you going to a feud, and and we get the fans caring?" And um, boy, did they put on a show. Uh, one of the, the moments that I'll never forget about that match is at the end where, where he wins, like after he, he spears him through the, the flaming table and uh, his music starts playing and like Lita's like trying to help him up and it's the look on his face and he's like shivering and he's in shock and it was, that's one of the moments that always stick with me. But at the same time, I remember thinking to myself, this, this guy really has just made a name for himself right there and then. Uh, and it, it was, I think, uh, in the documentary as well, they, they said something along the lines of like they just wanted to go all out. They wanted to show like what Edge could do, and so anytime like Foley was hitting them with an idea, Edge was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And um, I think it's safe to say that that's one of those mania moments that you never forget. Yeah, I think I think I think from that, Alan, as I was saying, it was like Edge was pretty like he was like a sponge. He was just wanting whatever Foley suggested. Edge was just like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Drink this." This showed how well Edge could be relied on in this time of his career for like putting on the big match moments, having the, the, the big spots of a card and make it making a pay-per-view like that like memorable. Absolutely. I mean it shows his storytelling ability, it shows his charisma in the ring, but also shows he's prepared to do whatever it needs to be. It was gonna be a hardcore mental match. I mean he's, the way he talks about it and he's inside the ropes interview is incredible. And you sit there and you're like you're head to your seat going, he's just talking about it. And he can do that just talking. So it just shows how Carrigan, how amazing he is at carrying a story and bring it to life and working with it in the ring. And what he did, and it just sent them off into one of the, the top guys in WWE for the last 10, 15 years. It's brilliant. Uh, absolutely. It just gets you it gets you to that that point that like Edge Edge is just a just a, a superstar. And uh, Scott, what what other way of being a superstar than winning your first WWE title by cashing in money in the bank at New Year's Revolution against John Cena. This is the point, this is the first wrestling pay-per-view that I ever watched. And this is the point where I decided that being sneaky is all right. <laughs> yeah, I think this is where you got the first example of that ultimate opportunist thing because going into it, like Edge, I think it said at one point, I'm going to cash in at WrestleMania. So you weren't expecting me to come out. Uh, nobody had actually thought about what the rules are for this. I know nowadays we think, Cashing on the vulnerable champions, the thing. But when Edge did it, it wasn't so like the idea of him doing it was the ultimate bastard move from Edge at that time. And then it's weird because you'd think him winning the title and then going on, even with Cena, you'd think that would go to Mania with Cena getting it back. But then he only lose it three weeks later, which I think that's why it was important that they had the Foley food right after that to help Brent build up Edge and keep his momentum going. You know, Foley could do for him what he did with Orton and Triple H uh, prior to that because. I think part of the thing people not caring about him is that in real life a lot of fans hated him over the Matt Hardy Lita scandal and so people have changed a lot of people's opinions on Edge much like it changed people's opinions uh, on Orton and Triple H when they fought McFoley so I think it was one of McFoley's last great matches and considering he went on for another good few years including going to T fucking TNA and winning the <laughs> world title I thought about that and other shows but like that was Foley's last great truly great singles match for me yeah it's, it's quite the it's, I think, 
it was at a point where they could probably capitalise on the hate and get the reaction and get the, the talk about that they're needing. Alan, do you remember watching this and what, what was your kind of reactions of Edge being able to cash in at this point? What you really kind of wanted me hated him, you're like, you dumped it, Mikey, or you're calling him <laughs> out. But because like John Cena's the, the total face, he's the good guy, you want him to win, and then it's like Edge has done this, but it just created that, you know, rated R superstar, you know, he's prepared to do whatever needs to be done, you know, and he's, it's just, it just set him off, it was just incredible, and you know, that gimmick is still going today, and I think a huge part of that is the way he worked with it and dealt with it. Because if he didn't nail that, money in the bank wouldn't be going, there wouldn't be a pay per view, there wouldn't be the briefcase anymore. So there's a lot of weight in his shoulders to do that, and it just shows how good a job he did because we're still talking about it 10 plus years later. Yeah, I think, I think one of the, the big things about it as well is that this was becoming at the point of like. Big match, John, so to speak. This was the kind of start of him doing all that he was needing to do, Emily. So this, like, to have to have Edge beat John Cena just like that, regardless of it being a cash in or not, and taking that title off him, it's it weighs so much in his like kind of I was going to say calendar, but his rhetoric of being the ultimate opportunist, the, the rated R superstar. Yeah, like um, for for me, that was just as everyone else has said. That truly cemented him as the the ultimate opportunist. And going back to something that he said in the "You Think You Know Me" documentary, it was he actually was never uh, initially interested in money in the bank. Uh, he says like I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know how it worked. And then he says uh, when it finally got explained to him, this is what money in the bank is and you can cash in for an opportunity whenever and he was like oh okay right yeah i want to do that so then <laughs> when he when he realized what he could do with it and um and then he also said about that there was a moment where he he went to vince and he pitched the idea to him about revolution and vince said to him yeah totally we can do that and you actually see that moment when he comes out with the briefcase with, with Lita and Vince then comes out and he turns around and he gives Vince the briefcase you see Vince saying to him right this is your moment don't let me down and then he just went out there and he totally killed it and it added that other layer to him as the ultimate opportunist and uh, just going back to talking about the different layers of Edge as well um, I feel like when he became the Rated Dust Superstar it was 100% when he had Lita with him because that added another dynamic to him because he's been the tag team guy, he's been the mid-card guy. The fact that he's got this manager now and he's, like Alan said, he was like getting off on this hate. And uh, just like Scott said, it, it was especially during the fact that everyone was like, this guy's a prick because of what he's done with Matt Hardy. <laughs> so um, when you add all that and you cultivate all that, that truly helped with the momentum and it helped cement and that shock factor of when he cashed in and then when he won except I, I, I don't think i've ever heard someone getting booed so much in all my life after that uh, well let's well let's, uh, let's let's talk about what emily was mentioning there about uh Lita. you know i just been one to be known of having like a uh, a manager in his corner during this time of being the, the, the rated R superstar and obviously it was coupled with the ongoing story of what was happening between Edge, Lita and Matt Hardy. Obviously he may have been deemed a bit of a prick for what for what was happening what what came about but ultimately this helped his career so much. Mm, oh yeah definitely. I mean <laughs> to your before obviously the duck sheet and all the the leaks and stuff like that or the thing for social media, it just let the rest of the know He's not just acting like a dick. He is a dick. You know, he was he was a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, he's he's acting a heel in real life and in Kafe. That's him. That's the way he is. And I think that definitely helped him. I think it helped him go over a lot of the marks. Um, and again, with his character, he's like, well, everyone thinks I'm a dick in real life. Play it. Let's go. Let's just keep going and he's like, just push the boundary. How much more he could be a dick before he gets told back and go too far, son. But it didn't really happen because you know. Sadly, he went and stole another man's woman. <laughs> you know, like, Vince is just like, that's some good shit, brother. <laughs> but yeah, um, it definitely helped develop his character. Absolutely. I think, uh, obviously, everything that happened, but we obviously, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff I don't want to give much attention to for, for what's happened. We know about some, but it's maybe not the best, but I did ultimately get him to the, into that kind of limelight spot of what it was. But one, one of his other managers, Scott, during a rather a rather weird 
time in his career, I feel, although it did get him into so many good spots in WrestleMania, I think we've got to talk about Vicky Guerrero. Yeah, because it was weird because like, after this, nobody going into this would have thought Vicky Guerrero would be such a good on-screen character because before that she used to appear occasionally with Eddie, she did the storyline when she sided with Chavo and he turned on Ray. But this was her real like coming out moment and being a character and also not realising that like Eddie's clearly like, manipulating her. Because a couple of years later, when he can't, she can't do anything for him, he leaves. But it was such a good opportunity for her, you know. And I think they were meant to do it with somebody else. I can't remember the name of the woman who was on the roster. I think she was married to Bobby Lashley. And she hated the storyline so much that she left. And they, so they drafted Vicky in to do it. And then also the introduction to Alicia Fox. And the company is part of it. So, you know, there was it had its ups and downs. So, obviously, it's, uh, it allowed, allowed Edge to have another another wedding under his belt in the uh, wrestling Emily and it was obviously foiled with him kissing Alicia Fox the, the wedding organiser I think that uh, I, I don't know what to make of the whole Vicky Guerrero storyline it's, it's, it's something that I, I would like to forget but unfortunately we can't because his time with Edge did get him into a main event spot at Wrestlemania with the World Heavyweight Championship so every cloud yeah, every cloud. Like, I personally loved the story about Vicky because it was like a sweet, innocent widow and then she turns into a cougar because of <laughs> <Amy>. <laughs> Like, she even said uh, herself in an interview, she says it was one of like our, our, our all-time favourites, like working with Edge and, and doing that cougar storyline and the manipulation and um, talking about, like, specifically, not even just, like, Edge's wrestling abilities, but we know about his, his wrestling ability, enough said. It's uh, this is where I really enjoyed the character when he started doing the, the race with our superstar, and he was getting more mic time, and he was getting more promo time and segment time backstage. Because the stuff he was doing with, with, with Vicky was amazing. Like like we, we were saying, the whole <laughs> getting caught with Alicia Fox backstage at the wedding, like Edge's. It's safe to say Edge's never had a successful wedding in WWE. Because uh, uh, before that, it was Kane trying to drag him to hell during the wedding, <laughs> and. Um, but yeah, I personally loved the Vicky Guerrero storyline. I felt like it, it really helped her cement herself as a character. It really helped cement him as a character. And it just added to just his whole persona of being a dick, essentially. I mean, let us not forget that it was because of the Vicky Guerrero situation that we now have the famous phrase, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> Never forget. Oh, it's, it's quite... I, I, can't, I might be getting storylines confused here, but did she not cheat in someone with Big Show or something like that? She cheated on Edge with Big Show? Oh, oh what a again, disaster. Then again, like, yeah, she cheated on her first, but then she brought back Undertaker to have that Hell in a Cell match as a punishment, and then you'll say she cheated with the Big Show because John Cena, being the likeable guy he was at the time, like, revealed it through a secret camera. Like, if you really think about it, Edge, you cheated on her first. This is her doing a Dave Benson Phillips getting her aim back. <laughs> oh, you know, I kind of wish I didn't speak with that. I completely forgot about the big show and Vicky thing because that, oh no, no, right. But we'll, we'll, we'll go from some funny memories, but un- unfortunately, some sad ones, uh, Daniel. I know I can see some tears in your eyes already. It's uh, he came back from injury, you know, 2004 from that neck injury, but unfortunately, when he was World Heavyweight Champion in 2011, he had to retire because he couldn't be medically cleared to compete again. How much did you cry at this point? Did you have to bring it up, Switch? <laughs> uh, um, so, I remember watching Mania 27 and Edge putting a good shift with Alberto Del Rio in the opening match. Very solid performance as world champion in that for that run that he had. We won't really gloss over the whole um, how could we murder Paul Bearer this week thing that they were doing for a while, so let's just forget that. <laughs> but um, I noticed that there was something off on one of the Smackdowns after WrestleMania because there's a shot where he spears Brodus Clay, and after he speared him, I saw him instantly reach for his neck, and it was caught on camera, and that was kind of like, mm, I don't know how to feel about that. Fast forward to Monday, and they say, Edge has an announcement, and I'm like, oh, no, please, please not what I think it is. And then he went out there and said, because of the situation of men have been experiencing numbness, and they've ruled that I have to retire, I wept like a baby. I will be very honest, because I was really upset for him, because I knew that you could tell how much it was hurting him just doing it. And then you look at the the packages that they would put up afterwards. 
you would see fans in the audience just kind of having that moment of heartbreak, whether they loved them or hated them. They were all just like, like the wind's just been taken out from underneath us. Like, what do we do? Like, how, like we feel sorry for this guy. Edge has poured in so many years at that point. I mean, that was what, uh, over a decade at that point, he'd been in WWE and yeah. he'd been putting in, you know, brilliant work from day one. And it was just, you know, like like you could say the same about so many people, Daniel Bryan, Paige, you know, all these people who have had to retire early at any point. It's just been horrible to watch happen. And, you know, it just, it sucked. I think one of the, I was going to say one of the worst things, or the worst thing is his injury, but like in terms of his career as a wrestler, he's been absolutely cursed with a short title reign, Alan. And this is just another another thing that causes him to have another short title reign as world champion. He's not he's not had much luck when it's coming to a lengthy reign. And then obviously this happened and this just completely ended his career, not in his terms. Because hmm. he was like the guy in SmackDown. He was for me he was carrying the show. He, he was involved in a lot of really good storylines and you know, he helped bring up and develop a lot of people and you know, he had so much potential. I mean, I think if he, I do honestly believe if he never had the injury, he would be the first 17 time world champion. I think that pass Flair and Cena, he'd be the 17. Um, so for me, he's lost a lot of opportunities as well. And the, what you think as well, the matches he could have had in that time over those years, those incredible matches like Daniel Bryan, for example, uh, the Shield, obviously, we're going to get Roman. Uh, mania, but like the hand feud with the shield, for example, you know, this, the, this, the amount of possibilities that they were lost because of it, and then she said also the short title and he was cursed with it. It, it was really, really hard. Um, you know, I, like Dan, I was devastated after that, absolutely devastated. He said, for me, that was the best match in Mania 27, the him and Del Rio, and it was just gut wrenching because you could see it just destroyed him. I'm to say that. What, what what about you, Scott? Where Jimmy didn't get to end in his in his own terms. I was like, it was it's, it was a bit much. Like I, I believe I'm getting this right when when Daniel Bryan cut his hair short, he, he announced his retirement. I think Edge did much the same. His hair went short because he didn't need to live that kind of character, that gimmick anymore. When that when that happens, you know something's a bit something's a bit off, and uh, it's just such a kick in the balls, isn't it? Yeah, because like the thing with Paige and Daniel Bryan, the difference between their retirements is that. We knew about their history, about neck issues, and they'd spent long periods of time outside the room right before their the announcement. Whereas Edge had been back for a while. I think some people knew about the his previous neck issues, but like it was a case of like he was world champion, and all in the SmackDown before they announced a rematch, him and WWE Extreme Rules, and then come up to the Raw. Well, later tonight we've heard the sad news: Edge is going to have to retire. And like, wait, what? You're not even now chance to really process like what the hell is is happening? And. I think he had said he had another year left in his, his current deal at the time and like by the time he got to the end of his deal in 2012 he was thinking about maybe this is around the time I should start wrapping up my career so there we go, the choice has been taken away from him which is why it's good that we got the run that we did but you know, you'll think about it like he's, he's always thought of being like classic raw moments being like how sad it is but that where retirement club is always replayed and it, it's actually it helped in a way because it opened another door for him because apparently uh, he got his first big acting gig with Haven because one of the producers saw the role where his retirement speech was and says, hey, do you want a part in this TV show? And I would have thought Ed would have said, well, I wasn't acting there, but I'll take the, the paycheck. <laughs> it's all, also, it's, it's, it's a very, it's what, probably one of the saddest moments in uh, wrestling history. Emily, this, this happened, obviously, as we mentioned, it's cut short, uh, potentially what could have been a lengthy title reign. It's, it's not ended in his terms, but what was... What, what did you feel at the time when you were watching it? Were you did were you, were you surprised that this this was happening? Do you think that it, it was? Could you could you tell that you had like some sort of nagging injuries? Were you, were you just a bit perplexed by the whole thing? So like Daniel, I would see moments where he would like grab his neck, and but then I would think like, oh maybe he's just selling that, and um, and then there were I think there was like a lot of rumours and stuff that were going about. Uh, but then I'd heard something along the lines of he'd, he'd done basic tests uh, before WrestleMania. So I, I thought to myself, oh, well, if he's trying to do Mania, he must be fine. And then, of, so of course, I was not expecting it where Edge has an announcement. Uh, and then he came out and he did that 
heartbreaking speech about retiring and about all these injuries building up and and then to see someone who had built this legacy, I wouldn't even say a career, this legacy about him. It was it was hard to watch and, and knowing that he did not get a choice in the matter that I actually cried. I cried during the, the announcement and um, it, it was like what you touched on before as well, Jack, where you were saying when you seen him with the, the short hair, you thought, right, there's something there's something up here, like if he's got the hair short. But um, the silver lining there that I, that I tried to take away from the fact that I wasn't getting to see a dresser anymore was I was getting to see him in Haven and then obviously went on and they did uh, Vikings. Uh, so I was getting to see him actually being an actor, which was great. Uh, and one of the other silver linings for me I was going to say it, 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 to make it that less impactful, but it still impacted me no matter what. But I was grateful to see that WWE appreciated him that much that they gave him an Edge Appreciation Night and they also gave him a spot in the WWE Hall of Fame that year. So I, I was very grateful to see that and I was very grateful to see that there was all this appreciation towards Edge. So it made that a little bit better, but not quite. <laughs> I think I, I really, I, it was at the time that almost like when that happened, everyone just believed he was never going to come back. So seeing him get that spot in the Hall of Fame, as you were saying, it was such such a polarising moment for me because they, like, they fully respected, they knew that it was just this option has been taken away from They can't end things in his own terms here. And uh, Alan, were you, were you much the same when he got that Hall of Fame induction? Were you just like, shit, this really is the end? I believed it was the end before that, but I felt that due to the circumstances and you look at the career he'd had at that point, he was a Hall of Famer on the making anyway. Um, so it, it's just nice that they acted on it immediately as soon as they could they did it. I think if they hadn't, he'd have probably been in by now, but I think it would have been a bit more disrespectful. It'd have been more disrespectful than what he did on all the questions they had to come into the example. So they did the right thing, they acted on it immediately and they made him the, the central figure of the Hall of Fame, which he absolutely deserved. When you look back at his career and the things that he's done for the industry, like the LC money in the bank and things like that. So I think it was, it was a right call for everybody at the time. When, when, the, when the Hall of Fame induction ceremony was happening, Daniel, were you there sitting in your, sitting in your house chatting, thank you, Edge, and uh, giving the old claps ahead for Edge, because we knew that he wasn't, it was, it, 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 his time had unfortunately come, didn't it? It was, it was at that point that you're like, Oh, goodbye, my goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, <laughs> my friend. I, I was, I'll be honest, I was more shell shocked by the fact that he came out with like really short hair on that night because that was the night he came out and had the full chop because he had, he'd had the kind of like, you know, maybe down to here hair before. And then that night he comes out complete short back and sides. And I'm just like, and it's like he said at the start of his speech, just went, now I know what you're all wondering, where the hell's Edge? Like, but it was. <laughs> It was good to see him go in. It was even better that it was Christian who got to do the honours and induct him into the Hall of Fame. You just know that whenever it comes time for Christian to go in, Edge has got to be the one that inducts him. I can hear Sarah right now going, damn right. Uh, <laughs> but just, it's like, Edge's career at that point, you look at, like, he was one of the, Edge is one of the youngest inductees at that point. Like, I think. I think oddly enough, his Mrs. Beth took that crown off him. Like I think she got a young. She, I think she was younger at the time than she got inducted. Um, but he, I mean, you look at his career. I mean, how many titles was it he won overall in his career? Something like thirty-two championships. Some somewhere on those yeah. titles. Yeah, like I, I can easily just hear in my head if like David Hockney just being like, "Wait, I will find the answer." Um, <laughs> But it was great to watch him go in and you could see everyone was just happy because it also gave you that moment the night after WrestleMania 28 just to see Edge out there on the stage getting a huge cheer from like the 80,000 people that were there. You know, well deserved. And, you know, sure enough, it started him doing some guest spots through the years. Never hurt to see Edge again. So, you know, I was always happy knowing that he could come back and do something at least. Always, always a bright spot. In a, in a show when he was able to come and do something, appear in some way, but it was like, when when the Hall of Fame was happening, you're like, who's this imposter, Adam? Adam, And what's he done with Edge? And I'm sure we all felt the same last year, when Adam made his made his grand return at uh, the Royal Rumble, Emily. I was, I was 
obviously he teased a month before that all this wrestling gear and whatnot on his Instagram and that he might be making some sort of comeback about training in some way. But I still did not believe it. Even when he got into the ring and hit that first spear in Dolph Ziggler, I did not believe that he was back like as a wrestler. For, for me, I, I don't know what it was. I just had this really strong feeling. I don't know if it was just the, the childhood belief in me. And it was like, I felt it in my heart and soul. And I was like, he is coming back at this rumble. He is coming back. He has to come back. And I actually remember I was talking to my other half about it because he was like, there's no way he's coming back. There's no way you're going to watch this Royal Rumble and he's not going to be a number. And I was like, no, just you wait. Just you wait. He is coming back. And um, it was at this point. It was at this point um, during the rumble. You know what it's like because we, we watch it late over here. So I started like those novel bits and what else, like the eyes are closing, I'm struggling. I'm, but I'm determined, I'm staying awake. Cause I, I'm, I'm determined to prove my point that Edge is coming back. And at that point, I started dozing off, and then all I heard was, You think you know me? And, I was, and, and then my other half was like, Oh my God, you weren't kidding. So I jumped up and I just started screaming. And it was that moment where. For, for the longest time, whenever I watch wrestling now, I watch it as a wrestler. Like, I can't sit and watch it as a fan a lot of the time, but that was the moment where, I, like, that I turned back into a fan and I was like, oh my God, it's it! <laughs> I had to jump in the hands like going like that. <laughs> You're like, it was like that episode of Friends when they were talking about that we were on a break and then uh, Chandler's hiding behind the door and he's like, I knew it. Yeah. I mean, that was you when Edge, when Edge appeared. <laughs> But uh, Alan, what we got, we got in this match, obviously, uh, a, a tag team we haven't spoke about yet, but we got the teasing of what could have been a rated RKO reunion, and then this obviously led to this storyline going into going into Mania. What, one, for Orton, what a great responsibility to have to be able to get the first feud back for Edge for it to be him, and two, how, how great a way they were able to bring this full thing to life and how real they made it be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've think of it before. I think Randy Orton's the most naturally gifted wrestler ever, period. And it shows that through the way you thought, right, he's the guy, you've got to match your edge, you warm him up, break not and happen. And but you actually the edge to get the reaction of Randy that you really need because Randy Orton, when he's not interested in the feud, you can see it, he is so born idle, lazy, it's half arsed, but when Randy's in for a feud, it's one of the best things to see. And the fact that Randy was right up for this, Ed was right up for it, and they threw everything they had into it. It was just phenomenal. Uh, the fact that the personal aspect, they get better involved, Beth getting an RKO from it, you know, and the kids getting mentioned. So, a bit of Edge's acting involved, a bit of real life, you know, it was really, really well done. And it's just a shame what happened to Backlash last year with, you know, Edge getting the injury and again, another year loss, pretty much. But, Randy was the guy to bring him back to, to do that with. Randy's the guy to carry him for that and help him through. And you know, I would like to see again one day another Randy Ed at one and hopefully want to run without knee injuries. Uh, I I would I'd enjoy something again because you know even though it's happened before, you know if they do it again, it's just it's going to like knock the house down. We we we've we've already seen that kind of this year a wee bit at the start of a certain match. We'll talk about that just in a wee while. But I'll come I'll come to you first here. Uh, Daniel, obviously we get to Mania, Covid season's just hit, no fans, nothing nothing can happen, but the, this was one of the one of the marquee matches of WrestleMania was the Edge's like singles in-ring return against Orton. I loved it. Well, I say I loved it. I loved about 30 minutes of it. I thought the last 10 didn't need to be there. It was a bit of a, mm-hmm. bit of a hard watch, although they had to kind of fill that time, but I think to be one of the standout matches in such a, a torrid time in a pandemic when no one really knew what to do, that's quite the quite the weight to carry on yourself as well. And I think for the first match back, they both absolutely knocked out of the park. Yeah, like I think the, the advantage of that is Edge and Orton have worked multiple times in the past, going as far back on pay-per-view, at least as Vengeance 2004 for the IC title. So they know what each other's like. And then when they did the Rated RKO team up, against DX in 2006, that gave them a chance to, you know, they can throw ideas to each other, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this in a match? This was essentially them getting the go in there, obviously with the producers of the match, and craft their story out. And it was essentially Orton getting the tone edge, like, oh, you've been out of the game for far too long, I've been at the top of my game, which to be fair, or some of Orton's best work has been in the time that Edge was away. So, to see Edge come back and not only 
beat Orton, but also prove he can still go. It was brilliant to watch. The only thing is just obviously they they kept Edge safe by not just having that straightforward wrestling match. It was a last man standing match. So it meant that when they have the rematch later on at Backlash, he could actually show himself like, yeah, I can still go one on one like as normal. So it was good that they had them go together because to be fair, I couldn't have seen Edge working with anyone else at that point. Orton is the Orton was the only one that I thought if they're gonna bring him back with someone, that's the most logical pick I could go with. Obviously, the good the the thing that they're able to do this, Scott, that they were able to take it from January to June and have this rivalry keep going and not have it get boring. Ultimately, this this ended in the the, the PT Barnum of pay per views backlash where we had the greatest wrestling match ever. And we got to that point where Edge lost and got injured again. Obviously, there's nothing to do with his neck. I think it was a torn bicep. But there's that point where you just you can hear his engine. And you're like, oh, by God, why is this happening again? Uh, Daniel mentioned that match, the, the vengeance match, because before I brought up uh, as one of the rounds of Quid Showdown one time. That's a really forgotten like gem of a match that a lot of people don't really talk about. And I was really up for it when I seen them in the Rumble. We had RKO getting back together. It's one of the few times that we used in a mashup theme and it's actually worked. With the two teams that they get together. But see an example of how not to do a mashup, see Booker T and RVD from <laughs> Or King Corbin's current theme. I'll be honest, I can't stand that mashup. They should have just kept it as his regular theme. Like, well, actually, I think I said it at the time, but the Orton Edge feel actually benefited from the lack of fans because, like, you see about the, the week before, the last week uh, having fans there, Orton and Beth are getting really up close and personal, and you can you can tell maybe he's going to have when RQ will be thinking, is he? And then you've got some idea for them going, RKO, like, shut up, let the moment play out. And then the weeks that follow, you've got these slow, intense promos between Edge and Orton in this empty arena where you just have to listen to them and they're looking right down the camera at you. And yeah, it's a shame that the match uh, mania have dragged for as long as they have. They shaved that last 10 minutes. They wouldn't have a T. It wouldn't have been as bad because, like, that spot when they're constantly going up on this truck, you're like, what are you doing? They're setting up for something and it didn't. the concerto was not enough of a payoff. Uh, from the amount of time that they took, but yeah, the greatest match ever. I know, like Edge said, like I thought they were they were joking when they said it was going to be a, a thing, the greatest match ever. Because I thought when I they announced, I thought, oh, but that's a joke, and they're all in the joke. But according to Edge, they're kind of like, no, WWE were serious about having this as the greatest match ever. And so Edge was like taking the piss on Twitter, going, I just had the greatest cup of coffee ever, <laughs> and, and it is a good match to be fair. Uh, but what really hurts me is that. Uh, he hurt his because it's retaped. He hurt. He got hurt on a retake. It didn't. An injury didn't. That didn't need to happen. It happened on a retake. That's what really just. Oh, it's a big punch in the cut there. Yeah, it was, it was pure shit. And obviously, he returned at the Rumble that year. That surprise return. But uh, this time, Alan, for Royal Rumble 2021, there was no surprise return. There's a a wee vignette of himself sitting in a wrestling ring saying he's going to come back to. Raw essentially come back and re return at the Royal Rumble 2021, and he vowed, he vowed to win it, he vowed to do it, he vowed to become the man. And I think that I'm glad there wasn't a, a surprise return here. I'm glad it was just a kind of a fan thing yet. It's like, yes, I'm going to be back. I think they've, they've already done it the year before. But did you think that six months down the line, we would have seen Edge back in our Royal Rumble match so soon? That would mean his first match again? Um, yeah, because I remember hearing towards the end of 2020 that he was peeled and he was pretty much back to full fitness. So I expected him to come back to the Rumble. I didn't expect him to start it. Um, I expected him to come in near the start and be the Ironman, but I certainly didn't expect him to win it. I thought he was in the top five or six favourites. And I thought he'd go, you know, I thought, I thought he'd have came in the maybe around four or five, and then I lasted until 30 and went over. But, you know, the way it was done, it was just, it was really well done. And it, the other thing is as well, it, it gives them that sort of <laughs> impetus just to keep on going. Because it can be so disheartening with all these injuries and having this happened to them to think, well, the company still believes in you, the fans believe in you. So go out there and do it. And then also he does it exactly on the 10-year anniversary when he last won the Rumble. In 2011, when he came in at 30. You know, fantastic. It just, it's nice to be that it has to stay the pizza itself and lightning strikes twice. I like that. And I thought, they, I thought WWE had to play down very well considering all the circumstances going on in the world right now. Normal was a decent, it was a
and they, they announced that number one and number two of the Royal Rumble was going to be Edge and Randy Orton. One, I was annoyed that they, they told us who the first two engines were going to be. I feel that it takes a bit of the, the, the glamour out of what the Royal Rumble match is. But two, I know we were speaking about how, how we're, we're, we are exciting for whenever there's an Edge and Randy Orton feud. When I saw this, I was a bit like, I cannot be asked seeing them two going at it again. You know, when it's only just meant to have finished and they're doing it again, as if they kind of brought it up again for no other reason. They were trying to quell like, expectation because they announced them a week ahead because they knew they weren't getting as big a surprise as the last thing. Then they're winning two because they don't like people like speculating and then uh, like, things getting out. Like on back stage, they announced Orton as number one. I thought, oh, fair enough. And then as soon as Edge was number two, and like, okay, like, Seriously, that could have been one of the biggest moments, like when Dolph Ziggler came out number one in 2013 and Jericho comes out after him. Like, uh, you want those two to start, at least don't have announce it or at least don't have Edge be number two, have Edge be number three and come in. But then what was weirder is that uh, Aaron's Orton is number one, Edge is number two, and then on the night they flipped it, they just flipped reversed it. Because I guess they think, oh, we need somebody else we can talk about other than Shawn Michaels for number one because there's that other guy, but we can't talk about him. <laughs> Of course, but it's uh, Emily, as, as, as I just said, the, the, the flip as the, the entrances happen. Obviously, Edge came in at number one. He lasted all the way through and he won the match. Were you, were you, were you shocked when he won the match? The Jank, when you saw him going to be one of the first two folk to be in it, the Jank, it's going to be one of them two. Because obviously, they two ended the match as well. Perfectly honest, um, I, I was not expecting him to, to win the Rumble. Um, in all honesty, I was happy to see him come in at, at number one. Obviously, I was very, very happy to see him come back. Uh, as reiterated before by the guys, like um, we knew he was coming back because he more or less said that, that he was healed. So, uh, and just going back to the 2020 number when you came back, we're not going to capture that magic again. Uh, especially, I will forever be grateful at the fact that that one, uh, the surprise return was in front of the live crowd because, as I said, we're never going to recapture that magic again. Uh, so when it came to the 2021 Royal Rumble, um, I was happy to see him back, but in my head I was thinking, maybe he's going to get to the final five. Maybe he's going to get to the final five. So then he got to the final five and I was like, oh, that's great. And then I was kind of waiting to, all right, which one's going to put him out now? Uh, and then and then he won. And I, and I have to say, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I was not expecting it. And I feel like, by giving him this win, the, we're, we're finally going to get the the big farewell send-off that he should have gotten without that being taken away from him. So I think this is him setting up to leave on his own terms now. This this is his way of, of finally getting that moment where he can say, I've done everything I wanted to do and this is how I want to end things. Uh, and having said that, uh, given the fact that he chose Roman Reigns, I, w- I was actually surprised at that. Uh, <laughs> I was not expecting that. Uh, in my head, I was actually expecting, before Miz took the title, uh, I was actually expecting it to be Drew in Edge at, at Mania, because that's a match I'd personally love to see. Just going back to something that the Edge uh, spoke about as well, which was just going back to the greatest match ever. He said that him and Orton wanted to strip it back to an old school sort of wrestle match just to show that yeah, it's awesome all the stuff that, that people are doing, that wrestling's evolved nowadays, but you can still have just an awesome match with all the basic stuff. So I was expecting to get that with Drew, since Drew's really going back to the, the old school wrestling style and, and and showing kind of a, the more British wrestling style. So I was really intrigued to, to see that dynamic. But don't get me wrong, I'm excited for Roman, Roman Reigns as well, because that's going back to what Alan was saying about the missed opportunity for when the, the Shield came about. So I get to actually see Edge versus Roman. So that'll be interesting, that'll be exciting. And yeah. So I'm very happy that he won. Like uh, I'll always be an edgehead, so the fact that he won, like that, just brought out the the fan in me again. I mean, it was instantly as soon as that won, we were all we were all speculating about what was going to happen. Obviously, the majority said it's going to be Edge Drew, but I think Al, I think you said it yourself. I think I said it at one point as well that it would be a bit weird if it was just a face against face for Edge against Drew. So going up against Roman. It was it'd be a new dynamic, something could be a bit interesting. Obviously, Daniel, that's now what we're going to get. That's going to be one of the main events here at, 
at, at WrestleMania, obviously, in the lead up to when he made his decision at Elimination Chamber. He was teasing all the champions, he even teased with uh, NXT champion Finn Balor that he's never had that belt, he's never got to wrestle here. So many so many things could have happened, so many possibilities, but we are we have landed <laughs> upon Edge versus Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, you know, the the, the the championship, which we could argue has replaced the World Heavyweight Championship. So, Jake, there's a bit of a sentimental value in maybe claiming the Universal title here. I would say so, because then obviously he he joins a very select few people who have held WWE, World Heavyweight and Universal title. So, you know, it'd be a big deal for him. Uh, what I would love, what I've loved from this is just how he has played off Roman Reigns so brilliantly. The dynamic that the two had of like kneeling with like the hands behind their back to like give them a message when he did that at elimination chamber just there that was a picture perfect moment that is brilliant storytelling that i don't even think i saw prim edge back in this first run so i was very happy to see where he can go with this and roman and Heyman together make the perfect duo for him to play with so i'm really looking forward to see how this goes in terms of uh Cinemel reasons like I did see somewhere on online someone pitched the idea of Reigns uh, taunting Edge by maybe wearing the World Heavyweight title to the match and making it like how about how about instead of the Universal title you come at me for the belt you never lost and it would be a good that would be a nice idea but I figured you can have more power of Edge just being like you've built this universe. I'm going to. You, you claim that you run this universe. I'm going to. Sh- I'm going to remind you who exactly built that universe. They can play off it brilliantly. So I would love to see. I'll be honest. I actually would like to see Edge take the title. I think Edge could do well. He could have. He doesn't need to have a lengthy run. He can maybe do Mania to SummerSlam as champion. You know, and that gives you room for him to have some pay-per-view matches in between. Because I just I want Edge and Daniel Bryan at some point this year. It's got to happen. And then. If, if I was if I was fantasy booking in my head, I know this isn't book it. Campbell will kill me if I go on about book it anymore. But um, I would love personally SummerSlam if they built it right. Edge and Shinsuke Nakamura, like I would just love to watch that. Interest, mm-hmm. very very interest. But the, the when you were saying about Roman take, just pretty much throwing away the Universal title and mocking Edge as World Heavyweight title, if that doesn't happen, I'm not going to be very happy with you, Daniel, because I'm going to blame it on yourself. Yeah, yeah, you've put that. You've put that idea now, and I, I, I can't have that story going any other way now that you said it. It's, it's too, it's too perfect. Don't worry, Jack. I will get you a chicken so you can cuddle it. <laughs> very good, very, very good. But upon that, you know, that's we've kind of gone through the the highs and lows of Edge's career, and I think before we get on to listeners' favourite moments from Edge, I want to know your favourite moments of Edge. I'll, I'll come to you first, Emily. I've, Everything in Edge's career, what drinks the, the most, your favourite memorable moment for you? So, I've got a couple. I'll, I'll bring it off to my top three, right? So, my top three is Edge and Christian when they would do the five second pose. As I said before, Elvis and, uh, the Elvis fat suits and also the hillbilly moment. Love those two. Uh, love the kazoo moment. Uh, for me, WrestleMania, where he wrestled Mick Foley, that's one of my all-time favourite Edge moments. And of course, when he done the cash-in with John Cena. So I would have to say those are my favourite. Oh, and I also want to give a special mention, because I, rem- I just remembered this, at the, the Hall of Fame ceremony, when Christian was doing the, the induction for him, and he showed the clip of uh, Edge in their, I think it was like their old primary school or something like that. It was like one of their old schools, and he was pretending to run the ropes and all that. That's one of my favourites as well. <laughs> I, I kind of forgot about that, actually. And he's like, well, Adam sent me this clip, by the way, and I'm going to put it on the screen so you can all see. I love that moment. It, it just reminded you at the end of the day that, that Adam, not even Edge, Adam's just a big dork that loves wrestling. <laughs> What, what, about, what about yourself, Scott? What's your all-time favourite Edge moment? I agree. That really deep down, it is kind of a dork. Because like Edge and Christian said, like the main reason they became friends is like Christian had a ninja star. Uh, randomly, they got a magazine, and so he was a cool kid in the playground. He's <laughs> according to Adam. So I think for me, talking about John Cena, you know, I think Edge and Cena we didn't really delve into that much, but for a while they were each other's best rival. And I think for me, one of my favourite Edge moments is match with Cena. Unforgiven 2006 and the, the TLC match where it's in Edge's hometown the month before they'd been seen as hometown Edge had won uh, this time it was like Cena 
I don't want to be around you anymore, so if you lose you, you go to Smackdown for three years, which is an oddly specific amount of time, but you kind of should have seen it coming, how it was actually going to go, but like, the moment we're seeing the city, the FU at the time, uh, through the two tables off the ladder, has been replayed in like so many times and for a reason. Uh, what, what, what about yourself, Alan? Are uh, any of these moments your favourite? Have you got something different? Obviously, I think obviously the Rumble return last year up there. Um, it's WrestleMania 27 entrance. I absolutely love that. But like Metalingus, up until I got this phone, I've got the now Metalingus was my ringtone. I edited it like WWE did. Mm-hmm. And I think we look back because I think he knows this is it. it. It's more personal, there's more emotion involved in it. So I think that's why it means more to me. And I think the other one is going to be when he, I thought he killed Jeff Hardy in TMC2. <laughs> because it just shows the guy is like a honey's a steel because I really think I'm going to spear him 15 feet off the layer to land on solid wood and God knows what else. No, I would need to do it, off the event. Amazing. What about yourself, Daniel? Have you got any special uh, moments or memories about Edge? Mm, I mean, I could mention the fact that I've met him a couple of times. <laughs> I just looks like a woman. I can't see your face there. Oh, just nah, the way. I see your for, face. For the, for the viewers, for the listeners wondering, I'm holding up a photo of me meeting Edge at this Inside the Rope show a couple of years ago, which was funnily enough the second time I met him because the first time I met him was uh, the WrestleMania Revenge Tour 2005. He was about to work He Who Should Not Be Named that night, and I went into it. I've got this book signed. It was a book that they were doing. It was um, like Tales from the Road, and it's a really daft cover it's Big Show and Rey Mysterio on a motorbike good book there's a good few stories in there and there's a story in there of uh, Edge and Christian and the Hardys and Jericho having fun in a hotel it was they were snowed in in the hotel so they dared Jeff Hardy to swan on from the window into the snow of course he did it um, and then they had to let him back in and he was in his underwear <laughs> just walking through the reception just like hi sorry hi <laughs> um but when at that show edge talks about the first match he ever got to watch and he watched the super he watched the superstars tape and then there was a guy who came out called tony parisi and he and as he mentions that name we're instant looks in glasgow when this happened some guy in the top deck just goes yeah and everyone's like laughing and the guy interviewing Kenny McIntosh just goes wait do you actually know who Tony Parisi is nah don't Edge just loses it laughing just he <laughs> he was loving that moment so much um, but like I just remember because that night I made Edge sign the same book again and he was just and he, and he was just cough I was just like wait I remember this this Mania twi- like Mania tour in, twi- in 2005 I'm like yeah and he was like oh it's fantastic and I just said no question I showed him the back cover, which is Mysterio and Big Show in a biplane together. Mysterio, of course, looking perfectly snug in there, and Big Show looking like he's about to crap himself. And I just said, who would you trust flying a plane, Mysterio or Big Show? And he just went, do you seriously think I could trust Show with something like that? (laughs) (laughs) So I was very, very happy with that. That's that's my all-time memory of Edge, is just meeting them. What a lovely memory. I wish I got to meet the man. I'd be, I'd, you know what, I'd probably faint. I don't think I'll actually want to meet. I think I'd faint. <laughs> I think I'd faint after I saw him. But I think before, before we end up, I've got some listeners' memories and other pod members' memories about Edge, what their favourite thing is. Grand McRobbie, he wants to just go back to the feuds with him and Christian and Dudley's and Hardy's. The current uh, winner of the Listeners League at the time of recording of Saturday Draft Live, Ryan Leash, his favourite moments is cashing money in the bank, winning the Chamber match, and getting the title after losing it in No Way Out 2007. Ross McLeod said he loves the interactions throughout his career with Foley. He loved the 2000s with Edge and Christian trying to avoid defending their titles with Commissioner Foley. Then also they got to team up at one night stand as well. That's quite a big moment for himself. Gary says it's, it's so hard to pick. There's so many. The Spear at WrestleMania 17, the Radar Superstar, the Mick Foley match. Also that's quite a recurring theme amongst everyone here. It's that Mick Foley thing. It's just so good. And cash in money in the bank on Cena. David Campbell, WrestleMania 22 hardcore match, still one of his all-time favourite. David Hockney, the Money in the Bank cash-in, was one of the biggest moments of Korea. WrestleMania 22 hardcore title match, the Hidden Gem. Uh, Strack, Edge versus Owen Hart, Breakdown 98, solid match in singles, first time he became Intercontinental Champion, and when he won King of the Ring in 2001. So there's, there's so much we haven't even got to speak about. 
that it's just oh, what a guy what a story career Edge has and uh, finally Dave Holmes the cash in spell the scene was one of the iconic ones the fact that he'll commentate JBL was against him cash in and take our post cage match and Mark Henry attacks amazing it's only sec- it was only the second cash in as RVD called his match so there could be have some excitement but Colin should put over how deplorable this was and there we go that is Eat Sleep Suplex retweets career profile on the rated R Superstar Edge thank you for listening thank you for all being here Daniel thanks for producing this for us thank you very much not a problem I thank you Emily thanks thanks for coming on for your, for your first show here it's been a wonderful time I hope you've enjoyed it thank you so much I've really enjoyed myself I, I love talking about Edge so very happy to be here Alan, yourself, thank you for being here as well. Get to talk about one of the, the, the greatest of all time. Yeah, thank you. Probably one of my heroes. Thanks very much. <laughs> Enjoyed it. And um, uh, Scott, I'll, 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 I'll say thanks, but I'm just going to be speaking to you on Saturday and we do Saturday Draft Live. See you then. Back in the box. <laughs> the most half hearted thanks I've ever heard in my entire life. Just, yeah, I'll be catching you later. Yeah, cheers. See you. Back, back, back I go. You, you won't hear me on, on these certain waves on a, on a Tuesday release much soon but hey I have, I have been Jack Graham and uh, thanks for tuning in joining us for the next feature show next week goodbye everyone there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown hello guys welcome to Quiz Showdown I'm Daniel Campbell and in the show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz we don't know what the heck's going on with it but you're going to have to watch to find out go check out on the YouTube channel now That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.